Hi, I'm Zario. And I'm Maika. And this is Calming the Chaos. We are so excited to be starting this podcast journey with you guys. It took us forever, but we're finally here. And I would love it if you guys would show us some support by like, commenting, sharing, and subscribing to our podcast. We would also love it if you guys were to go follow our Instagram page, which is calming the chaos underscore 22. Again, that is calming the chaos underscore 22, because eventually we would like to have you guys DM us your feedbacks and maybe do anonymous story times too about some of the topics that we talked about. So let's get into it because I know I'm excited and I know my Ika is really excited. Yes, yes. So, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm a-okay getting through the day. So, what'd you do today? Um, All I did today was literally work, you know, on that grind. <laughs> That's literally it. What'd you do today? I was preparing for this podcast because I'm ready to get into it, yeah. <laughs> so, let me Let's... ask you this. How do you feel about Black Lives Matter? I feel that Black Lives Matter is such a big topic, but I also feel like it's only that big of a topic when somebody dies, which we need to stop doing. Mm -hmm. Because it didn't become a thing, really, until the George Floyd incident. That's where things really blew up that's where we started to learn more about black lives matter that's when the protests started happening and a lot of people came out to support this movement but it seems like after that summer it kind of all just died out yes and i also would like to say that i mean i feel like it really blew up with the george floyd movement but i think it originally first started with trayvon martin but I know that happened in 2012. He died in 2012. And I don't even know how old we are. I know I'm not doing the math. But... <laughs> I was like 13. Yeah, we had... I think we were freshmen, actually, at that time in, in high, high school. school. Yeah. So um, I really think that that's when it started to become a thing. Because they were... Like, the police were already killing us. But we didn't have a movement for it. Mm-hmm. And that... Um, reiterated a movement for us to have an outlet to like protest and share our feelings about Black Lives Matter and I remember when it happened I was angry confused and a little bit hurt by it but it was like the biggest thing that like made like national news Mm -hmm. at that time and I would know for me I was so young that I also didn't feel safe or fully feel like I needed to go protest about Black Lives Matter. But now, like, since George Floyd happened, I went to, like, two or three protests in 2020 alone just because of that situation and, like, what occurred. Because I don't know why, but 2020 was just such a dark year. It was probably because we were being isolated. You know, what are what else are we supposed to do? I feel this whole Black Lives Matter a- after George Floyd, it was kind of like a trend. 
like Black Lives Matter was like a trend. We had the Blackout Tuesday. Everyone was protesting over the summer. But then a couple months later, everything seemed to die down. Like, these issues are still issues. But they're not really being talked upon. It's like we need a tragedy in order for it to make a difference or matter in general. Right. And I honestly feel like we shouldn't wait until someone dies. And I feel like it's not even just for Black Lives Matter. I feel like in any race, we always wait until someone dies to make a movement about it, to speak our feelings about it, to show love towards someone, to like come together as a group or a community. And I feel like it needs to stop being like that. Why do we always wait until the very last possible second when somebody doesn't even have breath in their body to try and stand up for something that we believe in we should stand up for what we believe in while we're still alive yes and that also like brings me to this one scenario after the whole COVID shutdown happened I went back to work I was working at this factory in Medina and I know that was like one of my favorite factories to be honest that I worked at I think out of all the factories or maybe even out of all the places I've worked at. But there's one instance I was nervous, but the whole George Floyd thing was going on and stuff. So I wore my Black Lives Matter Mm t-shirt. And I don't know how this conversation came about, but I know this Black guy who was also, might I add, 25% white Mm -hmm. too. So he was mixed. Yeah, he was mixed. But he's darker skinned than me. I'm mm-hmm. like milk chocolate and he's like dark chocolate or whatever. Mm-hmm. So like he is full black passing. You would have never even guessed unless he told you, which he told me. Yeah. So and I was um working with my other co-worker, but he was like at the sewing machine next to me or whatever. And he, I don't even know how we even got on this topic, but he said something about like, oh, you act white or whatever. And then my other coworker who is white was like, oh, you are white. And I'm like, what are you even talking about, first of all? Like, just because I choose to articulate my words, I choose to not sag my pants, act ratchet, or act like the stereotypical black person, now you want to say that I'm acting white or I am white, or just because I'm dating a white person that I am white or I want to be white? Mm -hmm. That, to me, doesn't make any sense. And I am trying to find... The connection of why people are always like, oh, you act like this, you act like that. You can't act a color. I'm acting as Zarya. That's literally all I'm trying to be is the best version of Zarya I can be. Mm -hmm. And I know because of the Black Lives Matter movement and how everything happens in society, that if I were to sit there and act like the stereotypes that white people give us, I wouldn't even have the job that I probably had then. I wouldn't have the job that I have now. People probably wouldn't hire me or like people would just be like, oh, she's so ratchet. I don't want to be around her. Yeah, it seems like the stereotypical black girls, like loud, ratchet, like clapping, hand movements, you know, always ready to fight, always have an attitude. But it's like just because, you know, a lot of us are civil doesn't mean we act white. Right. Because honestly, not all white people act civil. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and not all white people, quote unquote, act white. Exactly. And like they try to steal our culture and make it their own. And it's like you can't really steal our culture 
because it's just the way we are. It's in our roots. Exactly. Which I guess we can argue. I definitely want, we want to definitely have guests on this podcast too, which we want to argue, like if we had a white person here, like what are their roots? Mm-hmm. Like what are your roots to the point? Like when I think of white people and their roots, I honestly just think of slavery and masters. That's literally all I think about when it comes to like their roots. Cause that's all I really know about them. And like, yes, there's like different versions of being white or you're like mixed like German or something mm-hmm. or you're Italian or whatever. Like I understand those, but the basic just ordinary white person who like has nothing else in them. What are your roots? I just, I feel like maybe the roots is just being entitled to everything. <laughs> To have the, <laughs> being entitled to everything like they have the white card you know if they were to get pulled over by the police you know it would be a much different story than a black person getting pulled over by the police they can pull the white card and be like you know i i wasn't doing anything officer you know like they can literally go in their pockets pull out a a fake gun and still live through that situation but if it was a black person and they were pulling out their wallet to show their ID, they could easily be shot. Yes. And I just want to say, too, that, like, I just hate how everybody wants to be black until it's time to be black. Mm-hmm. Until you're in the thick of it, faced what we're faced with every day. You all want to be black until you're faced with getting called the n-word on a daily basis getting police brutality yes literally wearing your black lives matter shirt and getting saying getting told that you're white first of all black is like beautiful i love being black black lives matter all day to the day i fucking die but i don't know what the fascination and trend is of it especially because like we were in slavery why do you want to be like us so bad do you want our history because our history is not that fucking great I just think that we need to do better as, like, people so that we don't make it a trend. Or when somebody dies that is of color and, like, the police shoots them or whatever, we don't just make that one post or that one Facebook share and then forget about it for months. Mm -hmm. And I just feel like as a Black community, we should learn to lift each other up. And honestly, we need to just stop being lazy. (laughs) <laughs> we need to get up off our asses, get off off those handouts, and actually, you know, get a job. Try to do something with yourself. Make a living for yourself, you know? I feel like as a Black community, people see us that way because that's the way we act. We act in the most stereotypical ways, and it's like the way they see us is the way they're going to treat us because they're looking at us killing each other so they're like oh they're killing each other it's okay for us for if they're killing each other it's okay for us to kill them right and i honestly like want to say too because you brought up a good point where like we're killing each other so they want to kill us and they don't care about us because we as a black community i feel like we don't even value our own lives to keep each other around Mm -hmm. so how do we expect a whole different race that's not in the thick of it with us to care about us exactly we have to put ourselves first in order for somebody else to even remotely put us first as well yeah like i just don't 
understand. I think before it goes out in the world for everybody to like be able to fix our issues that we have, we as a community, like a black community, need to come together and fix our issues together. Like, why are we always killing each other? Like, there's mm-hmm. no need for that. Like, black on black crime does not need to be a thing. It, we should be up, uplifting each other. We should be helping each other get jobs. We should be teaching in our schools. We should be teaching how to be more professional, how to have better etiquette, how to speak more proper. You know, like those types of things could help build us and encourage us as a community. Right. I just want to say too, because there's racial things going on within the black community like people don't think that like there's other races within the black community there's the light skins versus the dark skins yes it's like black versus black light skin versus dark skin black males versus black females Mm -hmm. like where does the cycle end and let's talk about the black um males versus the black females like how as a black male are you gonna sit there and disrespect a black queen when you were literally raised by said black queen honestly i feel that because as an african-american woman i feel like most african-american men when they look at me they think oh she's not black enough like she acts like a little white girl so i don't want to be with her or it's of the fact that oh she's black she's too dark you know, they like their women more light skin, you know, or they just like white women. It's like they don't really appreciate a black woman anymore. It's like that goes out the window. I don't know where the disconnection comes from. And I don't know why in history it went this way. And I also can partially blame it on like rap music they degrade us yes they and, do like a bunch of rap songs all they talk about like oh this bitch oh she just gonna pop her pussy for this for the one time <laughs> oh like you know and a lot of even like african-american women's songs mm-hmm. a lot of it refers to us as a bitch or refers to just us you know, get that break, get that head and leave, like, type of energy. And the if, ratchetness. And yes, the ratchetness. But it's also, like, if we were to act black, we get shunned. But if we were to act white, then we'll get picked on and called Oreo. When I was younger, I grew up around, around a lot of white people. And it seems like that's just my personality developed around that. It developed around the people that I was around. And because I didn't really have any black friends, I supposedly acted white. And then people would call me Oreo, like, oh, you're black on the outside and white on the inside. And I'd be like, how dare you? I'm still black. Like, I'm still a black person. Or if I decide to get a little loud, they're like, oh, calm down, black girl. You know, this this is out of character for you. And I'm just like, how else am I supposed to act? Like, this is just me. This is just the way I am. And this is the way I grew up. So how else do people expect me to act? And I know for me, I grew up in a predominantly white neighborhood. All my friends were white, except for like maybe a few um, black people here and there. Like I definitely was around black people as I am raised by one. And there were a few in my town and people that I went to school with. but 
I did cheerleading that was on predominantly white cheerleading team, only me and I think maybe like a two other people, three other people um, that were actually of color doing cheerleading. So like, how else do you want us to act? Like I'm acting like authentically just me. Mm-hmm. And it just doesn't make sense how people can sit there and call like you an Oreo, me an Oreo, or say that like, we act white this and the third when that's really just not the case. This is just how I know how to act. I guess I can't unlearn what I've been doing for the past 23 years. Yeah. And it's like, you're not trying to act black. You're just trying to be yourself. You're not trying to act white. You're just doing what you know because of the people you grew up around and how you grew up. Yes. And I know for me personally, It was even hard because my family would also be like, oh, you're acting white. Oh, why are you doing that white girl stuff or whatever? Just because like I was the type of kid that I didn't really care or like to have braids because for one, it hurt. (laughs) And for two, (laughs) yes, and it also took forever. But because I was also bullied or made fun of or like people were saying I look like a dude or whatever, if I had braids, and it wasn't like box braids or anything like that, it was just like straight backs or whatever. So people would say like, I look like a boy. Mm -hmm. So I just didn't like wearing braids. And my family never made that connection to the point like if I like when I got old enough to wear weaves and extensions and stuff, I always just had black straight hair. And they were like, well, you got to stop falling behind these white people because Mm -hmm. you're not white you're black and you shouldn't always have like weaves in your hair you shouldn't always want your hair straightened Mm -hmm. or whatever and mind you like to this day I even have a love-hate relationship with my hair because all I want to do is straighten it because I don't like the natural texture and not to say that it's not beautiful or beautiful on other people it's just difficult it's very difficult (laughs) I don't know how to take care of it and I was never really taught how to take care of it because when my mom and dad were alive, like my mom always kept my hair like up to date and she Mm -hmm. always had like braids and stuff in it. She would also do the relaxers in my hair and stuff like that too. Mm -hmm. So I just feel like it shouldn't be about being black or white. You should just be you. Mm -hmm. Like, be true and be you and do whatever makes you happy, regardless of what your family says or regardless of what anybody at school says. Because Mm -hmm. if you're not happy and you're not feeding your soul and you're just listening to what everybody else has to say, you are never going to be happy. You're always going to be living some type of double and like a lie of a life. You're just going to spend the rest of your life just trying to please people, just trying to be what the people want. But it's like, you have to be true to yourself too. Like I know I was kind of emo when I was young. I wanted like straight black hair. I wanted piercings. I wanted to do all that stuff. And it was like, oh, so you want to be white is basically what people told me. I'm like, no, I just like the style. I like the color black. I want straight black hair, even though I had thick 4C, like, very right. <laughs> thick hair. And, like, my mom, she was a hair braider. Like, that's what she did. Mm-hmm. And she would braid my hair all the time. It would take hours. I'm like, Mom, could you just, like, blow dry out my hair and straighten it? Like, I want to wear it out. But I'll wear it out. I'll go outside. It's, I'll get home from the day, and it'll be poofy. 
Like yeah, everything. I remember those days. <laughs> every single time I straighten my hair, I'm like, oh, my hair looks so nice. I'll come home. All the white people, you know, putting their yes. fingers in my hair, just trying to touch it. Like, oh, is this your real hair? I, I swear to God, I hate that question. <laughs> Anna, do, does she ever do the thing where, like, I don't know if you went to church or whatever, but when they, like, you say you want your hair straight and they bump the ends? Every, Bro, I hated that. Time. I'm like, oh, I want it straight. Then, like, oh, but but a little curl. Yes. <laughs> a little curl, nothing. I want my hair pinned straight, bro. Like, exactly. come on. I remember when I told my mom I wanted to dye my hair, she was like, for what? Like, what, what, what color are you trying to dye your hair? I was like, black. She was like, no. And so I was like, okay, maybe I can lighten it a little bit. She was like, all right, I'll think about it. Oh, my gosh. I can't. This is just so funny to me. Like, growing up black is a totally different experience. That's it literally really what we're trying is. to tell you guys. Like, it is a whole nother ball game and a whole nother, like, expectation from people. And either whether it's in a good or a bad way, people expect you to be ratchet or your family expects you to just shut up and stay in a child's place or whatever. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I swear to God, I heard that all the time. Stay in a child's place, mind your business, or what was that third thing? Stop looking in my mouth or whatever when they're having an adult conversation. But why are uh-huh. you bringing your kid to an adult conversation, first of all? Exactly. Like, when there ain't no kids even, around. Why are we even around that toxicity that y'all speak in? Right. And then you want us to not listen to what you're saying and not repeat it to other people? Yeah. <laughs> and I feel like Black families definitely did a poor job at, like, raising their kids because of the generational curses and mm-hmm. trauma that goes into it which it's not our fault but like now we have some learned behavior that we have to unlearn so that when we have kids we don't embed all these nasty toxicity like things into them one thing that i definitely don't want to pass on is the what happens in this house stays in this house type thing Talking about therapy, too. Yes. yes. Like, when it comes to, like, the emotional toll of just, you know, being a Black woman or being a Black person in America and, you know, facing poverty, all of that stuff, it weighs on you. And it's like, you we're not allowed to really talk to a counselor about it because, A, most counselors are Caucasian and it seems like Black kids can't talk to their Caucasian adults because they fear of getting taken away by CPS. That's one thing that kids struggle with. They don't want to be taken away from their parents, but they also need an outlet. Right. I remember when I was in high school, my freshman year of high school, I, for some reason, just got into this really depressive state and was in a rut. And I went to my guidance counselor just, you know, to talk about my feelings. But she thought, like, when I talked about my feelings and everything that was going on at home and how I was feeling and my background and my life history or whatever, pretty much, she thought I was going to kill myself. So rightfully so, she has to call my grandmother. She was my guardian at the time. Mm -hmm. Um, So she called my grandmother. And that was, like, the biggest mistake that she probably could have ever did because... I got cussed out by my grandmother. When I went home, I got it worse. 
and she cussed me out and then my uncle also sent me this long paragraph of him cussing me out too because she called him and told him what was going on and like you said earlier where is that what happens in this house stays in this house but when it comes to the parents they could tell your business to everyone and i honestly feel like we kind of had the same experiences because my freshman year of mm-hmm. high school uh, i had a very depressive episode and it was just very bad and the people around me at the time one of them tried to kill themselves and because we were all so close like all the guidance counselors they were talking to us but they weren't talking to us to get us help they were talking to us because they thought it was a pact they thought we were all all gonna kill ourselves and that it was some type of like suicide pact and i'm like i'm here trying to get help because what I went through was a traumatic experience and you're here just trying to find ways to put me in a mental hospital, trying to find different ways just to see if it's a suicide path. It's not like I'm just sitting here trying to get help from you. I'm You're trying to find the bad thing so that you can put me away somewhere. Like right. that's not fair. Like I need help. And I'm simply just trying to get it. And I feel like that's why I, after that situation, I never went back to therapy until college. Because at that point, I was an adult and I felt like if I wanted to talk to a counselor, I could. Mm-hmm. And no matter what I say, they can't call CPS. Mm-hmm. Like, like, how are they going to call CPS? Right. You know? Because you're an adult. <laughs> exactly. And even as an adult, you know, that doctor-patient confidentiality, I can say what I need to say, but if the only reason they would call the police and have me committed is if I'm literally laid to the wrist at the meeting, Mm -hmm. I can say whatever I feel and get it out without repercussions or something going bad. I feel like that's another reason why I am not in therapy right now because I should have been in therapy a long time ago because Mm -hmm. my dad died when I was four and my mom died when I was nine. But four months before my mom died, my grandfather died. So I had like three major deaths happen to me back to back pretty much. Mm -hmm. And now I feel like I definitely should go Because now my grandmother that raised me, who was my mom's mom, she also passed away last year too. Mm -hmm. So now I feel like I'm free to go make that decision on my own, even though I've been living on my own since 18. Like I moved out after I graduated, but I, I just felt like her being present and alive and well just wouldn't have been the time to go to therapy because me and my grandma also didn't have the best relationship either me living with her because she's from that old school generation Mm -hmm. and I was in a whole different time like even from when we were in elementary school the time has changed yeah so she was so stuck in her ways of like when she grew up in like what I think maybe the 60s or something like that she was so stuck in her ways that she didn't care to change it. Yeah. It was always an argument to go to family's house or to go to a friend's house or whatever. And we had that battle with like me doing cheerleading or anything because she just wanted me to like stay home and be miserable. And I had no other outlet. And I would even go and talk to my family about things that were going on. It's like, what happens in this house stays, stays in, in this, this house. house and it's also like nobody even cared enough 
to fight for me. Like, they would all say, oh, you should have been in therapy, you should have been in therapy, but, like, nobody's making an outlet for me to go get that help. Nobody's mm-hmm. trying to speak to, with my grandmother so I can go get that help. Like, nobody is trying to do something that's right for a kid who's obviously going through all these issues, mm-hmm. but you would rather just yell at her and be like, what's wrong with you? Why can't you do this right? Why can't you stop saying this? Why can't you stop going to counseling or whatever? Like, it's just a whole clusterfuck of a mess that I feel like we need to clean up and do better of because mental health is very, very real. I didn't even get diagnosed until I went to college in 2018. Mm-hmm. That's when I was diagnosed with my depression. And it's like, I'm glad that I finally got that closure. Like, it's something I knew I always had, but never really was diagnosed with it, never really was able to get it treated and get the help that I needed for it. And I know how you said your grandmother was really down your throat about you not going to therapy. I feel like even though she's gone, that still probably affects you, right? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, it it really does affect me. And it was to the point like our relationship was so bad. After she moved to Georgia and I moved out or whatever, it kind of gotten better. But um, it, we still had things that she never really like said sorry for or it was like, she always would be like, oh, I never said that. But like, I remember everything clear as day because mm-hmm. it was a mental abuse. It was more, it was real for you. It was hard. Yes. And like, even when she died, I feel like there was a lot of things like I'd never gotten an apology for to the point I was kind of emotionless Mm. when she died. Mm. And I feel like our black families are raising us to be emotionless or whatever. Thick skin. Yes. That's what we were told. To the point now we're all adults. And we become overly sensitive to mm-hmm. every little thing that doesn't even need a reaction. Honestly. But I just hope that we can come together and I hope everybody learns a little bit of something from this podcast. Yeah, everything we talked about, it's it's our experiences and it's how we feel towards things. You may not feel... Like, you like what we say, but we're just keeping it real. We're just saying how we feel about the things that have gone on in our lives and how it's projected in society nowadays. Yes, and I just think that we have to speak our truth. And mm-hmm. I feel like we don't really hear a lot of opinions unless it's on, like, social media from the Gen Z era but I feel like we're all very outspoken and I think we all should have a voice or a say Mm -hmm. like we have to change this world for the better and it has to go somewhere other than repeating the same cycles over and over and over again I agree all right it's been fun and we hope that you like comment and subscribe to our youtube channel calming the chaos out our instagram page go like and follow us also dm us with any stories that you may have regarding the things that we talked about in this podcast we would love to hear your stories and maybe we'll just do a podcast of just you know telling your story that way your voice is heard too yes well i'm zaria and i'm aika and you're listening to comedy the chaos. chaos bye